Back a long time ago when I was young, in the 70s, uh, early 80s, one of the leading Christian singers was Don Francisco. And Don Francisco had a, uh, a unique ability for storytelling in his songs. And most of what he did was, tell, was to tell a story. And I wanted to share with you one of the stories that he told this morning because it summarizes what we're going to look at in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And here's how he summarized that story. Jehoshaphat was king of Jerusalem a long, long time ago when the children of Judah all worshiped the Lord from the high on down to the low. And Judah was a wealthy kingdom and everybody's children were fed because they studied the word of the Lord and they did everything he said. But out of the east came an army one day after Jehoshaphat's gold. They were marching right straight for Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat soon was told. So he called all the people together and everybody fasted and prayed. And the Lord God answered the people and said, there's no need for you to be afraid. Because the battle is mine tomorrow. It's not yours and it's not the king's. All you got to do is just stand and watch and see the salvation I bring. Just believe that what I've told you is exactly what I'm going to do. And go out tomorrow against them now because the Lord's going to fight for you. Well, the army rose early next morning. They marched on out with the king. Jehoshaphat chose some singers and he told those singers to sing. And they praised the beauty of holiness instead of shouting out a battle cry. And all the way down to the enemy's camp, they sang to the Lord on high. They were singing, praise ye the Lord. His mercy endures forever. Let's look at that story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I want us to think together about winning life's battles. It's an amazing day as uh, the bad guys are coming. Jehoshaphat gets worried. He, uh, he doesn't know what to do. They, a prophet of God says, God's got this. You don't have to be afraid. God's in control. He's going to handle it. And so they prayed and they, they followed God's plan. And God did some amazing things to turn their lives around. Let's look at it together. We're going to look, first of all, at the response of victory. In order for us to have victory in life's battles, we want to have the right response. Let's start the story here. Um, I'm going to jump forward to verse 3. You already know that the bad guys are coming. Verse 2 says that somebody came and told Jehoshaphat about it. Now, verse 3. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. The response of victory. If we're going to have victory in the battles that we face, we want to respond in the right way. Well, how did Jehoshaphat respond? It says that he was afraid. Now, you and I need to be, need to give ourselves grace when it comes to fear. Because there are things in life that are scary. 
we face some battles that are frightening. And so the idea is not that if you are a Christian or if you're a believer, you can never have fear. But the question is, when something in life causes you to be afraid, how do you respond? That's what is at the heart of this. It says that he was afraid, but then it tells us what he did with his fear. When he he was afraid, it says he, he set his face to seek the Lord. Instead of staring at the problem, he said, it's almost like, I, I can just picture him. He set his face. I think he, you know, it's almost like he put his hands on his face and forced it to turn to look to God. He set his face to seek the Lord. He made a conscious decision. I am not only going to look at the battle. I'm going to look at the one who can bring victory. You and I, too often, when we experience fear, all we can focus on is the battle, the problem, the mountain ahead of us. The response of victory, however, is, is, is to seek the face of God. He called the people together and they fasted, they prayed, they sought the Lord. Sometimes we can only see the circumstances around us. And when that happens, we start to seek the solution within ourselves. Maybe we, maybe we ask for help from someone we know. The problem with that is if it's, a, if it's a big enough problem, humans, whether it's yourself or some other, probably are not going to have all the answers that we need to solve the problem. If it's a big problem, we need a big God. And whatever problem it is, our God is big enough to deal with it. So we can go to him. You know, it, it, it said when he was afraid, he set his face to seek the Lord. And I thought about that verse that we talked about a few weeks ago. Do you remember? You've got it memorized now, right? We talked about it two or three weeks ago, and then I reminded you last week, and so by now you've got it. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Not if something scares me, because the the assumption is that while we live on this mixed-up, crazy, sorry, scary world, there are things that are going to bring fear. So when I am afraid, I will trust in you. I decide ahead of time, before the fear comes, that I'm going to trust in you. I also thought about um, uh, spiritual turtles when I read this. You know what a turtle does when the turtle gets scared? Right? He sucks into that shell. He hides. He, he separates himself from the world. It, it, and, and he kind of becomes that little recluse hiding away. The problem with that is it works, but the turtle can't go forward. As long as we let fear make us withdraw, we cannot be moving forward. The lesson of the spiritual turtle says that we want to trust in God and set our face. We're going to pull our heads out of that shell and we're going to face him 
trust him. Keep our eye on him so that we can keep moving forward. The response of victory. One of the great preachers of years gone by, Vance Havner, also known for storytelling, told a story of an elderly lady who was greatly disturbed. She had all kinds of troubles. Some were real, some were imaginary, but man, she always had something wrong. And finally, someone in her family lovingly and tactfully told her, Grandma, we've done all we can do for you. You'll just have to trust God for the rest. And this look of absolute despair spread over her face. And she said, oh dear, has it come to that? Havner commented, it always comes to that. So we might as well begin with that. The response of victory. Even before the battle begins, I set my face to seek him. And then notice the recognitions of victory. As we go through life's battles, we learn three things. There are three recognitions of victory. We'll find the first one in the next few verses. Look at verse 5. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. One of the first things that we learn, the first recognition of victory is who God really is. You see, I think when life is, is going smoothly and it makes sense and we're rolling right along, we have a tendency to kind of forget about him. Too often we think of God as the one who's going to get us out of trouble. So if I don't have trouble, then I don't really need him right now. And when things go wrong, well, then I'll holler at him. But for now, I'm good. Now, we would never say that out loud, but many of us live that way. And the recognition, the first recognition of a victorious kind of a life is that we recognize who God is. When we are faced with a battle that is bigger than ourselves, we, are, we, we, we recognize who he is. Did you hear that in Jehoshaphat's response? He is standing in the temple. And in verse 6, he says, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And that is obviously a rhetorical question. You know, a rhetorical question is one you know the answer to, and the audience knows the answer to. You're just making a point. When he says, are you not the God of heaven, it's the same thing as Shakespeare's character in The Merchant of Venice, who said, if you prick us, do we not bleed if you tickle us, do we not laugh? If you poison us, do we not die? And the answer is obvious. Yeah, you do. And so it's the same thing here. Jehoshaphat says, are you not the God in heaven? Well, yeah, of course he is. And you and I need to remember that he is the one who knows everything about us. He knows the hairs on our head. He knows our concerns. 
He knows our needs better than we do, and he knows how to meet those needs. We recognize who God is when we are faced with a battle that is bigger than ourselves. And then if you jump down to verse 9, look, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house. Remember, he's in the temple. If all these things happen, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. He, they, he recognized again who God really is. And did you notice, he says, no matter what happens, if there's a flood or a fire or a storm or an explosion, this group of people is going to worship the Lord, period. We're going to stand here in this place to worship God because our worship is not about us. Did you hear that? Our worship is not about us. We worship in order to bring him glory. It's about him and he never changes. Therefore, regardless of what our circumstances are, he still is worthy of our praise. He's still worthy to receive glory. And so Jehoshaphat said, no matter what happens, we're staying, we're worshiping because of who God really is. A second recognition, a second thing that we learn, that we recognize when we face a big battle is that we must depend on him. Once we realize who he is, then we're ready to understand that we have to depend on him. Look at verse 12. In verse 12, he says, O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Man, I love that. How many times we need to pray that. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. When I don't know, when all I can see is the battle, I'm going to look to you because I know you see the victory. It's the same story as Peter who was, who was out in the lake and the storm all around. He walks on water while he's looking at Jesus. He's walking on the water until he starts to look at the circumstances and then he's gone. You and I live the same kind of life. If we look at the battle, if we look at the enemy, if we look at the struggles, the heartaches, the difficulties, the mountains ahead, we get our eyes off of him. We're probably going to lose the battle. But it is when we keep our eyes on him, when we depend on him, when we say we are helpless to, to do anything. We, what do he say? He says, for we are powerless against this great horde. This problem is bigger than I am. But we do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Isaiah chapter 26 says that is, that is where we find peace in life. You keep him in, peace, in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you 
because he trusts in you. His mind is not easily distracted or drawn back and forth to the enemy or to the the battlefield or to the heartache or to the problems, but he has stayed on you, and that's the person who finds perfect peace. Paul experienced the same thing. Paul prayed, God, this thorn in my flesh, take it from me, please take it from me. We don't know what the thorn was, but he had a problem. He was facing a battle. He said, God, take away the battle, take away the pain. Three times he prayed. And God decided not to do that for him at that time. But he responded with 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast. This is Paul now. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest in me. If, if, if you are a John Wayne Christian and you got it all together and you tough and you don't need nobody to do nothing, I promise you, you'll never find peace. The one who finds peace is the one who says, I can't, but you can. And you keep your your eyes on him. Your mind is focused on him. And it is then that you can say, I'm weak. I can't. But that weakness becomes a source of strength because now Christ can move in my life and do amazing things. If I got it, he's not going to force his way in. But if I can say, I don't got it, then he is welcome. And he comes into my weakness And he does amazing things for his glory. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. One of the things that we recognize when we go through life's battles is who God really is. That we must depend on him. And then we learn that our battles belong to the Lord. The third recognition of victory is that our battles belong to the Lord. We we pick it up now in verse 15. And this is one, those of you who, um, those of you who highlight your Bible, this is one you want to highlight the last half of verse 15. Listen, he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. This is a prophet now who is speaking. The prophet says to them, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed at this great horde. For the battle is not yours, but God's. That's why this person can live at peace. This person lives at peace because he has already acknowledged, I can't, but you can. I'm going to look to you. I'm going to keep my focus on you. And I'm going to trust that you've got it, God, because I can't win this battle. But the battle is yours. That's where we find that peace. That's when we find victory. Here he says, the battle is not yours, but it's God's. He's going to take care of you. Tomorrow in verse 16, tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. And uh, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position. 
See the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. He says it again. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Now, notice something here. While we're talking about this recognition that the battle belongs to the Lord, notice that he says the battle is is God's, but he also says, now you go out. So it's not enough, beloved, for us to say, okay, I don't have to do anything. God's got it. I don't have to do anything. God, I'm going to sit back. I'm I'm, I'm going to watch the Hallmark movies and eat my Oreos, and you handle my life. No, he said, God's got it, but you get out there. You go stand your ground. Stand firm. Isn't it interesting that the spiritual armor that we read about in Paul's epistles later, we, we, we were you know, girded with truth and, and the, the helmet of salvation and the, the, the shield of faith and the sword. We've got all this stuff. And then what does he say that we're to do once we've got all this armor and everything ready? What does he say to do? Stand firm. The battle belongs to the Lord. But the Lord's army is made up of people of faith who are obedient We take our orders from him. It's his battle. But if he says go, we're going to go. And if he says stand, we're going to stand. One of the things that we recognize is the battle belongs to the Lord. We've looked at the response of victory, faith over fear. We've talked about the recognitions of victory, who God is, that we must depend on him and that our battles belong to him. Now I want to show you the reasons for victory. The reasons for victory. And there are three of them as well. Starting in verse 18. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord and the God of Israel with a very loud voice. The reasons for victory. Why did they have victory that day? Why can you and I have victory today? Well, the first reason is worship. They were victorious because they worshiped. The first thing it says, the first thing that that Jehoshaphat did was he bowed his face to the ground. Then everyone else came and they bowed as well. It says they fell before the Lord, worshiping him. And then he picked the Levites. The Levites were um, the Levites were the oars. They, They were the worship leaders, the song leader, the singers. All right? And the, the Levite's job was to lead worship. And so he called the Levites and he said, okay, singers, do your job. Sing. That was how they won the battle, through worship. And I love what it says there at the end of 19. The Levites got together and they started to sing. And you notice it says, with a very loud voice. The best way to worship 
We, we're a little bit too timid. Can we be honest? In this congregation, we're a little bit too timid. We're a little bit too worried about what the person next to us might think. We're a little bit too worried about whether or not I sing well or don't sing well or what, I don't know the part, I don't know. And, and so there's a whole lot of timidity in our worship. I love what the Levites did the day they found victory. They sang with a very loud voice. It doesn't say a talented voice, but a very loud voice. There is a worship that says, this is not about me performing. It's not about what I sound like to my neighbor. This is for God. And I'm going to let loose a little bit, and I'm going to celebrate in his presence and worship the almighty God who is worthy of it. I think maybe we need to relax a little bit and, and maybe worship a little bit more freely. There were reasons for victory in their day, and it's the same reasons that we find victory today. The first one is worship. The second one is faith. Look at verse 20 now as we continue in the story. They rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and he said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. One of the reasons they had victory was they worshiped. Another reason they had victory was because they had faith. They believed. They trusted in him. Psalm 20 at verse 7 reminds us that there are some who trust in chariots and some in horses. These, remember, this was a battle day. This was a battlefield. And here the psalmist says some put their trust in the guns and the tanks and, and the airplanes. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. How can you have victory? Worship the one who is worthy of worship and hang on to that faith. Trust him. Have faith that really matters. The reason why many fail in battle is because they wait until the hour of battle. That word came from R.A. Torrey. R.A. Torrey was... Uh, another pastor in years gone by, but his emphasis was always on prayer. Let me read it to you again, and I'm going to complete his thought. The reason why many fail in battle is because they wait until the hour of battle. The reason why others succeed is because they have gained their victory on their knees long before the battle came. Anticipate your battles, fight them on your knees before temptation comes, and you will always have victory. Faith. The reason for victory. And the third reason is praise. Why they had victory and why we can have victory. Worship, faith, and praise. We continue now in verse 21. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the, the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. They praised him. There's so much more in the story, but there's not that much more on the clock. So let me, let me speed through the last parts of this story for you. The response of victory, faith instead of fear. 
the recognitions of victory. We recognize who God is, that we must depend on him, and that the battle belongs to him. The reasons for our victory, worship, faith, and praise. And then notice the reality of our victory. Beginning in verse 24. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, and precious things. What happened? What happened was when God's people started praising and worshiping him and putting their faith in him, then God turned the enemy all against each other, and they just started into killing each other until all of them were dead. I always wonder, who was that last dude, and what happened to him? But they killed themselves. The battle was over, and God's people didn't have to fight they just had to be obedient. They worshiped, they trusted, they praised him, and God won the battle. And then the results of the battle. Verse 26. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, and there they blessed the Lord. Barakah means blessing. So they called this place the place of blessing. Therefore, the name of that place was, has been called the Valley of Barakah to this day. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God came on all the kingdoms and the countries when they had heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. Doesn't that sound good? Rest all around. When we learn to trust him, we learn to obey him, we learn to worship him in spite of our circumstances, keep our eyes on him during the battle. Let him fight the battle for us. And when we trust him, then we wind up praising. Look what my God did. And all the nations around recognize that. And Jehoshaphat was at peace. So Philippians chapter 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know that verse. And you know the verse I'm about to, to read to you. But did you know that they go together? They are side by side, one thought. Verse 6 says, don't be anxious about anything. Pray about everything. Verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You can't find the peace of verse 7 until you learn the prayer of verse 6. They go together. We trust him. We let him fight. We find peace. Don Francisco ended his song this way. If the parallel ain't real obvious now, I'll spell it right out for you. When you see trouble coming to rip you off, here's all you need to do. Just pray to your heavenly father, believe that his word is true, 
and step out and shout the salvation of God because he'll win that battle for you.